Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now, here's today's message. We've been going through a series called The One and Others. And I've kind of found it really interesting for how some of you have said like, wow, this has been good for me. Talking about loving one another, right? How many of us love to love one another? Do I get an amen? Yeah, some of you are like, uh-uh. The funniest thing is when I talked about loving one another, the thing that you hated most was when I talked about the opposite of love is what? Really? What's the opposite of love? Like? No, the opposite of love is not like. The opposite of love is what? Hate. And it like messed with some of your souls. I mean, some of you wanted to text me some really mean things. Thank you for just telling my wife that you wanted to text me and you really didn't text me. We talked about praying for one another. And last week was a really big week for some of you where you actually had people pray that Jesus would bring divine healing. And I know of at least one individual that had a physical shift in their makeup where God divinely stepped in and did something really beautiful. How awesome is that? We believe in a God of supernatural. We believe that when we come together and we pray over one another, that God actually shows up. Do I get a Jersey amen for that? There we go. Some of you are like, what is going on in this place? But we also talked about forgiving one another and how hard that is. It's really the hardest thing for us as humanity to really wrap our head around. As Jesus has forgiven us, we're called to forgive one another. But what we're going to do this morning, and this morning was very strategic. We actually have a strategic plan how to serve our community of Mawa. This morning, we have prayed for you, for all of our first responders. Over Christmas, we're sending cookies to you. So get ready. There's a lot of good cookies because we got some good bakers out there. And then in September, we do our big barbecue for all of our first responders. But the reason we invited them on this specific Sunday is this. We're going to talk about serving one another. This morning is like completely applicable. Because a lot of the other stuff is like soul stuff. Stuff that we wrestle with by ourselves. Stuff that we are waking up early in the morning and and how do we handle it and what do we do about it. But this morning... We have people who have served our country, who are serving our country, who serve our community and are serving our community, that have set an example of what serving is when it's first nature. And as followers of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, he wants us to go from selfishness to selflessness. And the journey that we need to go on, which I believe is such a beautiful example of our veterans and our first responders, is that, is that literally you get to a place where, where serving is first nature. And that's what we have done so well as a plant. Our church has done so good at learning to serve others. But let me ask you a question. How well are we at serving others? one another. Let's pray. Jesus, I want to thank you for this morning. God, what a great time to be together. 
God, I really just think of this morning is, is more of a, a practical application morning. God, I know the last couple of weeks have been really just kind of a wrestling with the soul, allowing your Holy Spirit to go really deep. But God, I ask you this morning that we would be identified by how we treat one another, how we love one another, how we forgive one another, how we pray for one another, and God, how we serve one another. Jesus, you say yourself, this is what you said, they will know that you are my disciples by how you, how you love. When we truly love one another, we serve one another. And all God's people said, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians 5, 13. If you don't, there's a screen behind me and you can follow along. But here's what Paul says. And I want to challenge you this week to read the whole chapter of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 is one of the most powerful chapters in all the epistles. It talks about this beautiful freedom that we are to have in Jesus. And this is what Paul says. He says, for you have been called to live in, everyone say it, freedom, my brothers and sisters. Or as our Paul says, sisters. No one picked that up. Paul Lee, every time, seeing if you're awake. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Listen to what Paul's saying. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So, here's what we always have to remember. When we read the Gospels, it's written to like everyone in the world. Remember that. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they are books, letters written to everyone. This is how humanity is called to know God, called to love God, and really the anticipation for what God wants to do in a person's life. But when you get to the epistles, whether it's James, like we looked at last week, Paul, Peter, John, the anonymous authors who, who wrote books like Hebrews, was specifically writing to the church, meaning those who call themselves followers of Jesus. And so Paul was writing to the church of Galatia, and he was teaching them about this freedom that we have in Jesus. I mean, think about what he says. He says, for you have been called to live in freedom. Now, here's what was going on in Galatia. Why Paul wrote this? Because you had two extremes. Do we have any extreme personalities in the room? Do we? Do we? Do we? I know some of you. Chris Carvone. Did I say that out loud? Right? <laughs> but think about that. I'm an extremist. Of course Rob's an extremist. Have you ever heard him talk? Yes. So in, <laughs> in this, he's talking about two groups of people. Those who came to Christ and had this like divine encounter that became overly religious, meaning like they were living in bondage to all of the old Jewish laws. Laws that Jesus said like, you don't have to get consumed with them. 
your holiness has to do with how you are walking with me and how you are loving other people. But instead, they kept going to the temple. They kept sacrificing, making offerings. When the sacrifice and the offering by Jesus was already complete. But let's be honest. Our nature, when our lives are going through transition, oftentimes go in different directions. And so even though we, we, we love certain things and we want to get away from certain things, we oftentimes gravitate to other things as well to substitute those things. And so for these individuals, there was a whole group of people that just became like overly religious, meaning doing things that they weren't intended to do. Sacrifices, offerings. And they are caught up in all the do's and don'ts that Jesus said that I have come to fulfill. There's only one person you run to, and that's him. And so there's all this like religious baggage that they were kind of like re-putting on themselves. But then you had this other group of people that said, wow, that because now I'm a follower of Jesus, I get to do whatever I want. And they just went buck wild, okay? Just call it what it is. They started living lives of debauchery. And we all know what the word debauchery means. And in other words, what they forgot was what Jesus rescued them from. You see, people come to Jesus for really both different reasons. They don't want to live in a place of of unhealthy control of fear and death. And they want to not be controlled any longer by addictions and things that have controlled who they are and really determine their behavior and their personality and their belief structure. And Paul's saying, Jesus came to give you a new freedom to be the men and women God has called you to be. I think about it this way. The epistles talk about that we are new creations. When you get something new, it means it's brand new. Something you open for the first time and you get to figure out why It is purposeful. It's the same thing with Jesus. That when we come to Jesus, we are given a fresh start. A fresh start. A clean slate. We get to really understand what it means to walk in the fullness of who we are as sons and daughters of God. No longer afraid of sin and death. And no longer have to be controlling, being controlled by any forms of outside sources. And if we're honest, we all tend to go one way or another. Is that pretty easy to understand? But here's what he says. He says, you were freed from the bondage of sin and death. For purpose, for a reason. And he says, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So when you look at this word, serve one another, the Greek word is doulos. Now, how many of us like to serve other people? Raise your hand. Okay, we probably all should raise our hand. That's probably the right answer in church. But I thank you all for your honesty. 
right? So for some of you, it's very easy. But when you look at the word doulos, I don't think you really want to know what Paul is saying. Because the word doulos means a bond servant, a hired slave. He just used that word? That's what Paul uses, not Pastor Rob. In other words, it's this individual that was hired by another person to do everything that is asked of them with one purpose, to honor the master. It's pretty intense. It wasn't like, hey, serve, it's a good thing for you. It's going to make you feel better about yourself. You're going to kind of step into other people's lives. He says, no. Use your new freedom to truly live a life of servanthood. And if we are really, really honest, we love to be served. Anyone say amen to that? Uh-huh, right? That's a Jersey thing. Uh-huh. We climb the ladder. We climb the ladder. We're willing to start from the bottom to get to the top so that one day we can be in a sphere and hopefully for, well, we only want to be like that in our 50s, but hopefully it's by like 65, 70, that like we get to step back and we've paid our dues and now the government, Social Security, our, four, our retirement is going to pay us back for a beautiful thing. No. Matter of fact, what we learn from Jesus is completely the opposite. Completely the opposite. That there's something so beautiful and powerful and palpable about what Paul is saying. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. You see, what we're going to look at real quick is, and I think what we have to do as ministers, as preachers, as teachers, is always, always make sure that what the apostles are saying are in line with who Jesus is. Because Jesus lived a life of servanthood so that we would be the beneficiaries of eternity. Let's see what happens with Jesus and his disciples. Mark chapter 9, 33 through 35. After they arrived in Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked the disciples, what were you discussing on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing, not discussing not contemplating. They had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. And he sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him, and said, whoever wants to be first must, be, must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Think about this. Mark chapter 9. It's towards the end. It's towards the end of Jesus' ministry and towards the end of his life. And multiple times, 
multiple times, Jesus told the disciples who he was, what his purpose was, and what they were called to next. And so while they were walking from one place to Capernaum, and Capernaum was kind of one of their resting places, he heard them arguing. And Jesus knew what they were completely arguing about. They were arguing about who will be the greatest. In other words, this. They knew Jesus was leaving, and who was on deck next, right? Out of all of them, who was going to be the greatest? And here's what's interesting. The problem wasn't about greatness. It was misdirected greatness. Because we are called for purpose. We are called to accomplish things. We are called to have a burden in our lives, to want to accomplish stuff, to want to be present, to want to leave a mark. But oftentimes, what we learn is that all those things that swirl around in our soul, it's just a form of misdirected greatness. Think about that. Jesus did not scold them for wanting to be great. Pretty cool, huh? He wasn't like, shame on you. You should never want greatness. You should never seek greatness. You should never desire greatness. He's like, time out. Your desire and your passions, they're just misdirected. And when you really follow the Gospels, and, and, and I say this often, there are things that Jesus says I love, and there's things that Jesus says that I hate. Anyone agree with me? There's certain things that Jesus really says that we're like, uh-uh, not uh-huh, uh-uh. But what we see is that Jesus is always redirecting his disciples to know who they were in their identity as sons and daughters of God because they were female disciples too. And how would they then choose to live? And Jesus says, if you want to take first place, learn to serve everyone. That is so countercultural. That is so foreign to us. I mean, how many of us wake up in the morning and say, it's her turn to make the bed? Anyone? Who made the coffee? Right? Who's taking out the garbage? Who's doing recycle? Who's got the leaves? Seriously, think about that. This is like leaf season right now. Like we're all kind of pointing at each other. Right? Think about it. I'm just being honest. That, that we really expect in our soul that we're just going to sign up and, and show up for the big things when actually we don't even know how to practice the little things. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It's true. And so what Jesus was showing them all along the way 
was in order for true greatness, we must learn to serve all. Mike Herbst, I don't think he's here this morning. He's a servant of all. That man has taught more men in our church how to truly, truly fix things and serve in a capacity that most men never will even obtain. I think about a really good friend of his. Really good friend of his who's really one of his, his best buddies now. In the beginning when he was a new believer, he wasn't that handy. He didn't have a father figure in his life. He didn't know how to fix things. He didn't know how to do things. And every time Mike, now everyone's going to start calling Mike to fix their house, right? Okay, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Mike would not only show up, but he would bring like a little gang with him. There'd be like three or four guys with him, little gang with him. And they would go around and they would fix people's stuff. And if someone was in need, you would call Mike and Mike would just show up and he would fix it. And he would do it. And then next thing you know, his little gang, right, his gang of like three other people got so equipped in fixing things and serving the little things. They're like, hey, I want to do that. 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 And it became like, like, like a band of brothers that would just go and go out and fix things. It was awesome. And I'm like, Mike, dude, you don't even realize how much you're acting like Jesus. You do all the things that nobody else wants to do. But you have this burning desire to do it. We have a couple in our church right now. I'm not going to share names. I'm just going to share their story. Do you know almost every single night of the week, they go to a different support group to love those who are battling with addictions? Do you know that? Several evenings a week. They just go from place to place. They go to hospitals, they go to AA groups, they go to care groups, and they just serve people in need. Why? Because they've been rescued from it. You see, when Jesus does a deep work in your life, a real work, not a fake work, not a religious work, a real work in your life, you just want to touch everybody. I just want everyone to know that Jesus has done something awesome in your life. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I can't tell you how many people, how many people there are out there that who serve best that no one knows about. First responders. First nature. They almost live to serve. It's, it's almost a little freaky, you know that? And you're like, do you really want bad things to happen? They're like, no, I just want to help people. Same with those who are in the military. There's this hunger that they truly get to touch someone else's life. You see, I love what Paul's talking about. Because I know as a church, it can be so easy to say, let's just go serve the community. Let's just go love the community. We want everybody to know Jesus. But we need to be serving one another. That's what Paul's talking about. Serve one another. Be present for one another. And you can't serve one another, you can't touch someone's life, another's life, if you have not created space 
for that. And one day you're going to look back. And it's not what you strived for was wrong. It was just misdirected. I know another family in our church that has multiple vehicles. Multiple vehicles. Whenever there's been a family in need in our church, you see these vehicles driving all over the place. There was literally one week this fall where there was several people driving another family's vehicles. And in their heart, because I know them and I love them, and I just, every time I think about that couple, I, I, I just cheer them on. I know they have multiple vehicles with the purpose of helping those in need. How cool is that? Hey, Rob, if, if you know anyone who, who needs a vehicle for a, just like a, a short period of time in transition, let us know. You see, when those things happen to you, you really get to understand God's love and the goodness of God in your life. That God does provide, and he does provide through other people. I'm so thankful for my curbs because I'm the most unhandy husband ever. So I'm always like, Mike, help me. Don't teach me. I'll make it worse. Help me. But it's true. It's true. There's a beautiful thing that we are all called to do. All called to do. Whether you know how to do something or not, there's a gifting in you that God invites you to participate in. So, I want to do this. I want to talk about the practical aspects of serving and the divine aspects of serving. Because we always want to make things so spiritual when I just want to run through a list of of practical aspects of serving. Listen to these. And I just made a bunch, I just made a list. When we serve one another, we allow for community to be valued and built. Amen? When we serve one another, we allow for community to be built amongst us. When we serve one another, we are providing needs for others that they are unable to provide for themselves. Pretty cool, right? There's certain things that you don't know how to do or can do or have the ability to do, but when someone steps in and does that for you, guess what? You're helping someone do something they have no capacity to fulfill. When we serve one another, we learn what sacrifice is and the importance of it. Yes, right? Service above self. It's a beautiful rotary saying. Service above self that we literally get to practice selflessness. It's one of the reasons why we also do missions trips. Because we want you to go and and just give your life for a week so you can come back and learn to give your life for a year. Right? To just go on a missions trip and be like, hey, I did my service for a year. You missed the point. Every day we are on mission. Every day. 
When we serve, we allow ourselves to step out of our comfort zone to open our hearts to the needs of others and the realities that they are in. There are many people in very difficult circumstances. And God has gifted you and provided for you to be able to step in and help them. Right? Think about that family with multiple vehicles. It's not about them. It's about God is saying, and maybe the wife's like, one more car, you're out. <laughs> one more car, you are out. Right? No, it's really having a vision beyond self. It's really having a vision beyond self. When we serve one another, we learn to do the things we don't want to, but are most important. When we serve one another, we motivate and inspire others to participate with us or somewhere else. Mike Herbst with his little gang. Now they all kind of go out and do their own thing. I remember with uh, Kyle Mack, that was part of his gang. And Kyle was kind of released to just be like, hey, I can do what Mike does. I have permission. The church wants me to. Yes. When we serve, we function in being givers rather than takers. For some weird reason, the church becomes the most selfish entity in the whole community. When we are called to be the most selfless entity in the whole community. To think that church is our consumer mindset. Well, what songs are you going to sing? What services are you going to provide for me? No, 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 no. We are called to be present for one another. And all of our gifts and all of our talents should be used to encourage, build up one another so that the kingdom of God would multiply. Serving one another brings great fulfillment. Fulfillment. Sue kind of cracks up when I've left the house with, like, my tool belt on. She's like, someone's dead. <laughs> someone's dead. And I'm glad it's not us. You go. You go do you. You go do you. I'm walking around with the belt on. I'm like, yeah, what's up? What's up? She's like, don't bring the hammer. Don't bring the hammer. Right? So, but it's true. It brings great fulfillment. Something awesome happens in our soul. When we don't serve. Others miss out. The church misses out. The world misses out. And you miss out on being present. It's true. When we don't serve, we miss out. You see, serving takes our eyes off self and puts them on others and on Christ. I was part of Rotary for some time. I, I had to step away with the busyness of my schedule so many changes were happening, roles in the district and things were going on. So I've been on a hiatus. But I remember when I was in Rotary, I said, they said, like, why are you joining? I said, because you are the hands of Jesus. And I'm the voice of Jesus. And I'll never forget, it was about five years later. We were at a uh, kind of a celebration in June. And one of the guys stood up and they said, hey, the one thing that we've learned before Pastor Rob comes up and prays over the meal is that, that we Rotarians are the hands of Jesus. How cool is that? A room full of people from all different walks of life and religions have the ability to say, like, wow, we get to be the hands of Jesus in our community. That's pretty powerful. Pray for me. 
that I can make more space in my life that I can get back involved in Rotary. What a great group of men and women. God is up to some good stuff. And you know why? Because these people are hungry to see lives touched. Let's talk about the divine aspects of serving. When we serve, we allow for others to experience the love of God in acts that others have not been willing to see before. You see, when we truly serve, people get to say like, wow, why did you do this? Because I just want you to know Jesus loves you. Because Jesus loves you, I love you. When we serve, we learn about the gifts God has given us. There are so many gifts that God has given us that are kind of like, you know, pent up that we've never released, that we've never tried, that we've never touched. I mean, think about what Jeremiah 1.5 says. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I think what we do, we've been, we've been told to just stay in our lanes. No. Run through the mountains. There are gifts. There are talents. There are desires in you that you have never unleashed before. That God is saying, I've put those in you. And I gave them to you so that you could show Jesus in your weaknesses through my strength to others. It's really powerful. It's really powerful. When we serve, it has the power to redirect a person's life. I'll never forget when I um, worked at summer camp as a college kid. I had a desire for, for one path of life. One path of life. I really felt like this was what God was going to do in my life. And I had multiple people who were in that industry say, this is what's going to happen to you. If you keep doing this, you're going to at least get a shot at fulfilling every childhood dream. And I'll never forget when I was working summer camp and I went to camp and I spent a whole summer there. I remember standing outside looking over the camp and saying, I would give up that dream to love people every single day just like this. Even though I don't work at a camp, I am called to love everyone just like I got to do every single day at that camp. Do you know how many people have changed and, and their direction of their life has shifted the moment they started serving? No many people that, that, that never thought about being a counselor or never thought about, about starting an organization or a 501c3 got caught up in, in, the, in the broken world that we live in and all of a sudden we're like, I'm giving it all up. I'm going for it. This burden is way too heavy to just sit on the shelf once a week. Hell or high water, I don't care if it fails, I'm running after it. I think what happens when we serve, we actually allow for God to birth in us new desires, new heart desires that redirect our lives. We discover new gifts, new passions, and we begin to function in them with a new purpose. When we serve, people get to experience what, it, what true disciples of Jesus are like. True disciples of Jesus are like.
Many are afraid to even try serving because they're afraid of what God's going to do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, if I really give my heart to Jesus, he's going to make me move. He's going to make me quit. He's going to do. And it's like that old school mentality. Like if you went to church in like the 80s and 90s, like, like if you give Jesus your life, he's going to ruin you. Do you know that? No. You see, if you give Jesus your life, he makes life best. Seriously. I love my life. I went from wanting to literally jump off a building, pre-Jesus, to loving every single thing that God is up to in me. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? I have the privilege of this Thursday going to a congregation in Manhattan on 34th Street that says, there's something awesome going on in Mawa, New Jersey, and we need some of that juice. Can you coach us? Can you coach us for one full year? Do you know that? That's what I'm doing Thursday night because of what God is doing in you. How awesome is that? And already, and already, this thing's about to explode. Because God is doing something beautiful here that I'm a part of. That is learning to not only serve the community, but serve one another. And people are saying, I need some of that juice. Don't be afraid. You should be more afraid of missing out on God's best for your life. That should terrify you, of missing out on God's best. You should be terrified. But when you start functioning in who you are, it's like, this is who I am. What you got, I'm given. Let me wrap this up because I'm going way too late. This was supposed to be an easy sermon. <laughs> this was supposed to be like, hey, let's just go through some points. Let's walk through here. We're good to go. Of course, I got to mess it up. <laughs> Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and will return to God. This is what Scripture says. And, Ben, you guys can start making your way up. Give me a little sound music in the background. So he got up from the table, took off his robe. Wrapped a towel around his waist. And poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet. Drying them with a towel he had around them. This was it. The last act of a teachable moment. This was the last act of a teachable moment. And took off the towel and he got on his knees and he just started washing the disciples' feet. I love what it says. And since I, your Lord and teacher, since I, your Lord, the one you come underneath and the one who is teaching you, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. The world is looking for sermons to be lived out every single day. We are looking for sermons to be lived out every single day. You get to preach to one another. How awesome is that? 
You get to teach one another. You get to show the love of Jesus to not only one another, but to the world around us. But here's what the world is watching. So how do they really love each other? How do they really care for one another? How do they treat each other? How do they forgive one another? How do they love each other? Do they hate each other? And the world is saying, of course they do. Look at them. They're crazy. Uh Uh-uh. Not this church. We are learning to love. We are learning to forgive. We are learning to pray. And I want to challenge you today to learn to serve each other. Here's my challenge. This isn't in my notes. I want to challenge you this week to serve another brother or sister in Christ this week. I want you to do something for them. I want you to truly take what I am saying right now and saying, I'm going to do an applicable act. Because I want them to know that as Jesus loves me, he loves them too. That's powerful. And if you need someone's number, you reach out to Carly and she will get you their number. I'm serious. You want to surprise someone and you want someone to not know who you are, but there's been a burden, you see this person, but just please don't say, yeah, you know that person with brown hair, about five, six and a half? Like, she doesn't know that because that's half of you out there. Like, you've got to be specific. We get that phone call all the time, honestly. I'm like, seriously, this has messed my whole soul up for the day. Like, name tag Sunday. Name tag Sunday. Five weeks in a row, name tag Sunday. Who is someone that God has burdened you with this week that you can do a simple act of service? I could be one of those pastors and say, yeah, good luck, 10%. Maybe. No. All in. All in. I'm in. All in. How can we serve one another this week? Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you to know Jesus and make him known, then check out our website for more sermons and other resources, theplantchurch.org.